Hello, everyone, and welcome to Making the Grade for the week ending Friday, May 31st, 2019. Double or Nothing was on Saturday night, but expect WWE to do absolutely nothing to try and compete with that or even acknowledge that it happened. Besides, AEW's TV deal doesn't start until the fall, and even then it'll be 83 weeks or so after they win in the ratings for the first time that it'll actually sink in for old Gramp events. Instead, we've got the wild card, and it's promised that on Raw tonight, Brock will call his shot in regards to his Money in the Bank briefcase cash-in. It is Memorial Day, so we, of course, open with the super sad video and a USA chant. This leads directly into Brock and Heyman backstage. So, of course... The first person out of the gates is wildcard Kofi Kingston. He throws pancakes into the crowd, and we go back to SmackDown last Tuesday and the appearance of Dolph Ziggler, the attempted crippling of the WWE champion, and Zigglesworth's whiny, entitled promo. He demands, Kofi that is, demands that Brock Lesnar come out and pick him for the cash-in, but instead of Brock, we get Seth Rollins. Seth also wants to know who Brock is going to choose, so he also calls out Brock. This finally brings out Brock, who has literally turned the briefcase into a boombox. What the actual fuck is going on? Brock gets in the ring and dances. Did did I have a stroke or something? Am I actually here? Like, did I die? Is Is this some kind of fever dream? fuck is going on brock plays kofi's theme supposedly through his boombox then plays seth's theme supposedly through his boombox all the while smiling and dancing like an idiot seth just pieces the fuck out then kofi undoes his title and i notice that it now has velcro as well Heyman says that since seth walked out that ruined the brock party and they leave and it's all seth's fault this allows dolph to try and cripple kofi again when we come back, officials are helping Kofi to the back when Dolph reappears to go after wildcard Xavier Woods. I smell a match a-brewing. Or, or not, as they just fight in the crowd a whole lot. Back at ringside and Dolph wails on him with a chair, Dolph appears to be bleeding from the cheek. Dolph puts Xavier's head in a chair and Kofi runs out. Dolph runs off and we get another commercial break. When we come back, Kofi and Xavier are in the ring and Dolph comes back out on the stage. This pacing is fucking weird as shit. Am I wrong here? Dolph cuts another promo with that weird, almost crying voice. This is so bizarre to me. Like, I get the idea behind the story, but Dolph's presentation is just so, so weird. Meanwhile, catering is outside and is a Memorial Day cookout. This will eventually become a food fight. The Usos are apparently hosting this block party. They wish Natty a happy birthday and say that everyone except the Revival is invited. Elsewhere, Charlie is with Shane. He has a match tonight. He is confident since he has Drew by his side now. So fuck you, Elias. Shane enters, then leaves, and we go break. Uh-huh. A promo video tries to convince us that Triple H versus Randy Orton is a relevant match we should definitely want to watch in 2019, especially when it comes from Saudi Arabia, and then Shane McMahon is in the ring. He talks shit about the Samoan dynasty, basically says he knows Roman's family better than Roman does, says a member of the Samoan dynasty will be facing him tonight, and we go to another break. Match number one, Shane McMahon versus Lance NOI. Are you shitting me right now it has been 50 minutes 
50, 5 0, 50 minutes. And this is the first match on Raw tonight. And this isn't even going to be a match because Drew drags the kid out of the ring and beats the shit out of him. Drew throws the kid in the ring, and Shane tells the referee to ring the bell. Shane does his rabbit punches, and then they let the kid have some offense. But Shane puts the kid in the shitty triangle, and Lance taps out. Grade D. The only reason this doesn't get an F is because at least it kind of relates to the match against Roman, and I can kind of see the story they were trying to tell. Shane puts the kid back in the triangle and talks shit about Sika, which brings out wildcard Roman Reigns. So we literally went 50 minutes without a single match, and that's what they decide to give us for an opening contest. They really do not give a shit tonight, do they? Shane and Drew run out to the back, and we go to another break. We come back for Brock again. Are we just restarting the show? Is that what's happening here? Just hour two, just to start over because the first hour sucked ass so badly. Uh, Cole points out that there is a referee in the ring. Heyman does his Heyman things. Heyman says the referee is there at Brock's request because it is time for Brock to cash in. Seth interrupts, so I'm guessing that this doesn't happen again. I enjoy that Heyman actually reads the Money in the Bank contract out loud, which is something that has never happened before. Uh, Brock apparently had no idea that he had an entire year to cash in, so he just leaves. Well, he beats Heyman up with the contract and then leaves. Brock Lesnar is a moron. Really. I did the math on this. Money in the Bank has been around since 2005. Brock has really been back with WWE since 2012. He has been cashed in on in the past. And he doesn't know how the money in the bank contract works. Moron. As Seth looks grumpily at the entrance, there is a commotion in the crowd, and our truth a referee, and a Memorial Day parade of superstars run in, cause chaos, and then leave out the other side. No title change yet. Now Charlie is with AJ Styles. He was supposed to be in the Fatal 4-Way tonight to determine a universal title number one contender, but had to pull out due to an injury. Corbin then lays him out. Really making that injury seem legit. Enter the man. Her match is next after the break. Oh, shit. Takeover 25 is this weekend? I completely forgot. Match number two, Becky Lynch and Nikki Cross versus the Iconics. Note that this is not a women's tag team title match because fighting champions. Becky pins Peyton. Grade B. Not bad though WWE seems to have forgotten the fact that they have women's tag team championships. Lacey then does a lap. Back to the block party, Tamina and Naomi hug, and then the uninvited revival show up. Turns out they were invited by Naomi. Those women ruin everything. For some reason, this is mic'd horribly, and Naomi has to shout to be heard. Not good. Back to the arena, and... Pachoo! Oh, Christ, they added a gunshot noise for when he throws his hood off. It just gets worse and worse. Seriously. I don't know if it's the green, but for some reason the Tron looks like one of their 3D CGI effects like they had at the Royal Rumble during Cesaro's entrance. Match number three, Ricochet versus Cesaro. Ricochet pins Cesaro with a Hurricane Rana grade. B, another fun match, very physical, though Michael Cole seems to have forgotten what a Hurricane Rana is. 
Cole then takes us back to Money in the Bank and Samoa Joe clearly not losing the United States Championship. Next week on Raw, Rey Mysterio will relinquish the United States Championship because of a separated shoulder. I don't know why he couldn't have done it this week. I mean, it's not like they had any fucking time to fill. This announcement brings out Samoa Joe, the rightful U.S. champion. He hits commentary to demand that Ray give him the U.S. title back next week. Then he leaves. The more I see the Super Showdown ad, the more convinced I am that Super Showdown will be as good as or will exceed WrestleMania is a line that is written into a contract somewhere. Like, the Crown Prince or whoever the fuck it is in Saudi Arabia was like, you will tell them that it will be better than WrestleMania. I'm not apologizing for that accent. I don't give a shit. Uh, meanwhile, at the block party, Usos and the Revival are cornholing. Then The Miz talks about the Universal title. Then Braun Strowman talks about the Universal title while they play his music, which means he's late to enter. Then match number four, elimination match, Braun Strowman versus The Miz versus Baron Corbin versus Bobby Lashley, Universal title, number one contender. During Braun's entrance, Cole points out that if he wins here, he'll face Bobby Lashley at Super Showdown and then also fight Seth Rollins for the Universal title, also at Super Showdown. He does not point this out during Bobby Lashley's entrance, however. I personally cannot wait to see Baron Corbin fail at winning the Universal title a week from Friday in Jeddah. And by that, I mean I'm not fucking watching the show in Jeddah, so fuck you. Bobby Lashley's promo airs during his entrance. Thankfully, he does not speak in the third person like he did on Miz TV a couple of weeks ago. The only dude in this match that I would want to see get a Universal title shot is The Miz, and I would want him to win. Other than that, I don't give a shit about any of this. I will admit I was impressed by Bobby Lashley nonchalantly hopping from the floor to the apron to avoid a charge from Braun. Braun and Lashley fight through the crowd and into the darkness, presumably eliminating themselves, although there's no count or bell from the referee. Braun then pins Miz with the end of days to win. Of course. Grade C. Look, long-time listeners of the Rundown Network We'll remember a time when I was very high on Baron Corbin, to the point where I was actually legitimately upset when he cashed in against John Cena and lost. At this point, however, I don't understand why this is the horse they are riding so hard. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't. We then go back to the cornholing, which breaks down following goaltending by Scott Dawson. Then Truth appears to tell us that he isn't here, and chaos ensues. No title change. Then, uh, Firefly Funhouse. Bray says his secret is called The Fiend, but it's okay because The Fiend is here to protect us and to help us be brave. Then Abby wishes to be set free from limbo, and Bray does the limbo via crab walk. Still great. Still great. Let me in. Then enter Sami Zayn for the first ever electric chair, which is apparently some sort of interview program from Corey Graves. Oh, Lord, there's actually an electric chair in the ring. It's the fucking Chamber of Horrors all over again. Cole says the WWE Universe can ask any question they want as we go to break. My issue with this segment right off the bat is that it is blatantly bullshit. Corey tells us that the questions come from the fans and that nothing is too controversial. Charlie is taking questions from the crowd members, just like the absolutely awesome, amazing segment when Alexa took questions from the audience for Becky and Sasha from a few months ago. 
The first question is from a large fellow who asks when Sammy's retirement date is. Sammy asks the gentleman if his parents are related. The second question is from a small girl who asks about the ginger snaps. He insults her parents. The third question is from a dude who asks how it feels when Braun Strowman destroys him and Sammy threatens to punch him in the face if he wouldn't get arrested. The fourth question is why he hasn't won the Universal title since he came back. Sammy calls this man a moron, which is very uh, a very legitimate uh, uh, thing to call this gentleman based on how he asked the question and how stupid the question is. Why you no win the title yet? Sammy then drops an AEW reference. Corey asks him about his match with Seth, and this brings out Seth, who is just loving being a party pooper tonight. Seth tosses the electric chair out of the ring and breaks it. Cole tells us this match will happen after the break. Match number five, Sammy Zayn versus Seth Rollins. Look, I get that they want the third hour to have a different look with the arena darkened and the graphics just being the red Raw logo on the black background. But if you're going to remove the the uh, the graphics from the LED ring posts, you know, the, the insides of the ring posts, and turn the LED boards off, just take the goddamn turnpost covers off. Them standing there just bare silver while everything else is black just looks fucking weird and, and kind of shitty. Once again, we play everyone's favorite game, Seth Rollins' Trick Knee. Rollins hits three suicide dives on Sammy, and on the third, he tweaks his bad knee on the landing. It's so bad, in fact, that after kicking Sammy in the gut in the ring, he is unable to carry Sammy over for a buckle bomb. Now, every time I have seen someone specifically work a knee and then apply a figure four, the bad knee is always the one that's bent. Shouldn't it be the one that's straight? The one that's hypothetically being hyperextended by the shin bone of the leg that's bent. Am I wrong here? Sammy hits the blue thunder bomb that doesn't pin anyone and doesn't pin Seth with it. Seth hits the Seth penalty on Sammy, but the bad leg collapses, so he does it again. Grade C. Felt like something was missing. I know these two can do more than that, but perhaps it was just because it was a terrible fucking episode of Raw. Seth holds the belt high and we go off the air. Overall grade for Ross C+, which feels better than it deserves. An absolute bizarre first hour. Only the barest mention of the 24-7 title. The Raw Tag Champs nowhere to be fucking found. A block party for Memorial Day that serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever. I feel like Vince wrote this episode at 4 o'clock this afternoon after his 3 o'clock Metamucil cleanout. Please don't suck, Blue. Please. Please. We go to Hulu because fuck my DVR. We open with a video recap of violent crybaby Dolph Ziggler beating up Kofi last week. To the arena, and here's Kevin Owens. Tonight, it's a Money in the Bank rematch minus the title implications. Kevin grabs a mic following a recap of his interactions with Kofi over the last few months and says he had nothing to do with Big E getting attacked last week. But they can blame him for Xavier's pain, and they can blame him for Kofi losing at Super Showdown to Dolph since he's going to beat the tar out of Kofi tonight. And then Dolph as a thank you, can give him the first shot at the title after Super Showdown. Kofi comes out, tells Kevin to stop the shit. He knows that Kevin attacked Big E, and tonight he's going to make him pay for it. Match number one, Kevin Owens versus Kofi Kingston. Kevin goes after Kofi's shoes again. I still don't get that. I don't understand why that's a thing, why it happened at Money in the Bank, and I don't understand why it almost happened here. Uh, How many times can you use the... Hero is down on the outside, dives in the ring at nine to stop the count spot before it means absolutely nothing at all. Because I think they're getting really close. Can you imagine if they just let these guys wrestle for two hours and didn't do anything else? 
on SmackDown this week. Sadly, this does not happen as Kofi manages to hit a trouble in paradise out of nowhere and pin Kevin for three. Grade B, not as good as their Money in the Bank affair, but it's TV, so that's expected. Backstage, Dolph Ziggler, bad guy in a gay pride sweatshirt, watches on. Backstage elsewhere, Shane, Drew, and Elias are planning Shane McMahon Appreciation Night. And elsewhere, elsewhere, Truth is upset about being chased and not getting a moment's rest. Drake's obsessive hunt just misses Truth as he and Carmella hide in the laundry room as, he, as Drake tapes wanted posters down the hall. How long until Carmella pins Truth for the title? Enter the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Kayla asks them what their mission is. Rowan tells a knock-knock joke. I swear to God. Where are the eco-friendly SmackDown Live tag belts, Daniel? Huh? Huh? You think them blue cows just grow on trees? Huh? Their mission is save the planet, save the SmackDown Live tag division, which would be funny if SmackDown Live had a fucking tag division. Kayla tells Daniel that there are actually some teams who want to challenge them and outcome heavy machinery. Daniel says they accept the challenge, but not here in Oklahoma, and they leave to Heavy Machinery's theme song. Backstage, Fire and Desire are handing out copies of a magazine that Mandy is on the cover of while Ember Moon tries to read Jekyll and Hyde. Match number two, Mandy Rose versus Carmella. Corey jizzes over having two copies of the magazine, one to frame and one to read, and the cover of the magazine stays on the Tron throughout the match. And after one takedown, Mandy holds up the magazine and yells at Carmella about it until Carmella kicks it out of her hand. Jesus. Oh, and they took it off the Tron, so I guess that's good. Sonya hops up on the apron with the magazine. Carmella yells at her. Mandy ducks a kick and half-acidly rolls up Carmella for a pin. Wow. Grade D. This was just stupid. I was expecting something with truth, not endless, desperate shilling of a magazine. Who the fuck even reads magazines anymore? Backstage, Jinder tries to pin Truth. Truth gets away from him and hides in a photo booth as the crowd runs past. Then Drake Maverick crashes into him and they both run off. Then Shane enters for his celebration. Backstage, Alistair talks about picking fights. Then back to the ring for Shane McMahon Appreciation Night featuring Elias and wildcard Drew McIntyre. Shane throws to a video that he says will assure that no one leaves tonight without a happy face. It is just a video about Shane. Shane then talks about Roman and says that at Super Showdown, he will beat some respect into him. Elias says that he wrote Shane a song. Truth then runs into the ring, followed by Drake Maverick. Truth hits a front suplex and pins Drake. His music plays, he celebrates, then he sees who he's in the ring with and realizes that this was a terrible idea. Why did he have to pin Drake? I don't, I don't understand why that happened. Uh, they beat the hell out of him. Truth gets claymore, and then Elias pins him to become the new 24-7 champion. Corey points out that this is Elias's first title in WWE, which is actually kind of sad. Since Truth interrupted Shane's celebration, Elias and Drew will take on Truth and Roman Reigns later on tonight. Shane then suspends the 24-7 rules until after that match is over. Nice. New title means nothing. Backstage, Kayla is with Charlotte and Lacey, who are spilling tea on Becky and Bailey. Speaking of which... Match number three, Bailey versus Lacey Evans. Lacey's outfit tonight looks less sassy Southern Belle and more legit boss, if you know what I'm saying. Charlotte is at ringside on commentary. This leads to a slight skirmish. The distraction costs Lacey the victory, as the referee is too preoccupied with getting Charlotte out of the ring to see the pin, but Bailey sloppily counters this roll-up into a roll-up of her own for three. Grade C. It was decent, I guess. Lacey then attacks Charlotte for costing her the mask, so Charlotte kicks her face off. 
we then get the video trying to convince us that Triple H versus Randy Orton is a match we want to see in 2019 again. Backstage, not Renee, is with Andrade and Zelina. She shows us a, a dot-com video from Finn, where Finn explains that doctors didn't clear him to wrestle last week on SmackDown. Andrade says Finn's going to need to find his inner demon to beat him in Jeddah, which would mean something if we didn't already know that the demon was going to be in the match in Jeddah. Enter Roman, then Firefly Funhouse, match number four, RRR Truth versus Drift McIntyre. Elias and Drew attack Truth again during his entrance. Roman goes out to help his partner, throws Drew into a ring post, and Elias into the barricade, and then the match begins. Truth does manage to participate in the match, so it doesn't end up being a handicap match after all. Something tells me that as soon as this match is over, someone's going to pin Elias for the 24-7 title. Roman does pin Elias for the victory following a spear. Great. B. Not bad. Then he spears Elias after confirming my suspicions and then has Truth pin Elias to get his 24-7 championship back. Overall grade for SmackDown, it's it's another C+. At least Shane didn't wrestle this week. Instead, we got a women's match about a magazine cover. Overall grade for the week. Surprise, it's a C+. This was not a good week for WWE TV. Raw only had one more match than SmackDown, despite having an entire extra hour of television because they didn't give us a single match on Raw in the first 50 minutes of the goddamn show. They really wanted us to know this week that Shane McMahon is the top heel in the company, and it's really not good at all. <sighs> anyway, that does it for me this week. As you're listening to this on Sunday, last night was NXT TakeOver 25, so be on the lookout for a Patreon recap of that coming soon. Vote some more at rundownwrestling.com. Subscribe to that Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. Uh, before we go, I do want to give a shout out to all the guys, uh, all the other guys on this feed. Uh, this past week, the rundown hit episode number 400, which is a huge thing and nothing that I uh, ever really could have expected when when I started this show uh, with a sh- shitty microphone and a shitty iMac in uh, a tiny apartment bedroom back in February of 2011. Um, I want to, I've said it before in in a few different, uh, places online, but uh, I will say it again. I want to thank, uh, very sincerely, uh, Troy and Jason for uh, everything that they have done for the rundown since, uh, my departure a couple of years ago. Um, they, they have taken the show places that I never would have been able to, to take it on my own. Um, they, they, uh, have more, uh, creative ideas than I ever would have had. Um, and they're just doing, they're just doing great things. Um, we, we've got the, the rundown network now we've got the Patreon now we've got, uh, shit talking people on Twitter cause they're morons, uh, more on that on, on, on twat magic. I, 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 I assume, um, but yeah, this, uh, 400 episodes, it's, it's, uh, it's a fantastic thing. And I, and I am very proud of them and very proud of, uh, this whole fucking thing that we've got going here. Um, it is more than I ever could have imagined, uh, more than I ever could have hoped. And, uh, we're just going to keep on going and, and, and having a blast. So, uh, thank all of you for listening for the past, however long you've been listening for. If you've been with us since 2011, you are fucking amazing. And I love you for that. Um, yeah. So thank you to, to everyone. Thank you to Troy and Jason and Sal and Ginger and Raccoon Reigns and and Andy and almost everybody who's ever co-hosted on the show. Um, yeah, this is just 
huge. So that's that. I will uh, put my dick back in my pants now, and uh, I will be back next weekend with another Making the Grade. Blurt.